Welcome back, everyone, to Life and Lit. This is episode 55, and we are going to do the sequel to a book we did, what was it, January? It feels like so long ago. Yeah, um, that we did. Yeah, that we did previously on the pod, but Sydney flew through the series, so we knew we had to do a follow-up as soon as possible. So this week, we will be discussing A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Moss. Before we dive into it, I'm Paige. And I'm Sydney. And this is Life and Lit. You long paused again. <laughs> no, you long paused. <laughs> I was waiting for you. <laughs> oh, no, I meant after I said my name, you like long paused before you got to life at life. Oh, I think I'm always afraid I'm going to like speak over you. So I like wait oh. an extra beat. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah, that was I was like, you long paused. What do you mean? <laughs> We'll see. The truth will come out in the edits like it always does. Right. Yeah, I'll compare our pauses. Um, we'll there we go. <laughs> so, yes, we are diving back into the world of A Court of Thorns and Roses with the sequel this week, A Court of Mist and Fury, because we knew we couldn't wait too long between episodes to do this one. And what better month to do it than our birth month? Yeah, because this was the better one, for sure. This is my favorite of the series. Yeah, the first one is, like, sets you up, you get to know the characters, and then I feel like the story, like, takes off from there in the spice. Yes. This had a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, we'll get into that after in a minute. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it feels weird because we literally just recorded yesterday. I know these come these episodes come out a week apart, but we don't necessarily record in that fashion because uh, we have lives, believe it or not. Um, yes. <laughs> so this week is Sydney's birthday. In two days, it's your birthday, and you're going Yay. on a trip to New Mexico, which is really yes. exciting. And then as soon as you get back, I leave literally the next day for India for my friend's wedding. So we had to squeeze these in. And then I feel like it's going to be a long time before we record. Yes. <laughs> Life is coming in hot. This it like, is. first seven, not even seven days of March. It's yeah. hot, but that's okay. I feel like I did nothing the first two months and now it's just going to take off. See, I'm the opposite. I feel like I have been going and going. This is, like, our really busy time at work because we're trying oh. to fit, like, every conference and meeting in in the winter months before yeah. spring and planting and all of that. So it's just been, like, boom, boom, boom. And I've taken two days in the middle of March that are, were literally the only two days I could squeeze off to yeah. go on this trip. But I'm super excited. Yeah, you should be. I'm excited for yeah. you. Having been to New Mexico, I'm sure you're going to a little more exciting part than where I was at. Um, sorry, Matt and Megan, if you listen, <laughs> but I think they would agree. <laughs> My brother was stationed there with the Air Force. So it is beautiful country out there. And I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see your yeah. pictures Thank and follow you. you and live vicariously through you. 
I'm excited for you too to get to go to India. That's so Thank cool. Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, stressed. I yes. just want to be on the plane to India at this point. I'm done preparing. I'm done. I don't know how my friends Katie and Rashab have done it for months planning this, but I'm just ready to be there. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Yeah. So, but before be- all of our exciting travels, we have to fit this episode in. Yes, but it's a good one. And like you said, I've flown through these books. I've read the first three, so I need to get the, I guess, the fourth one then. Um, yeah, the first three, I would say, are the most important. Like, okay, they read we'll like a trilogy to me. And, and then the story continues. But yeah, the first three are the most important in my mind. Yes, and I liked this one better than the first, which is good because this was the series that you really doubted if I would like, but I have been eating it up. So you really have. And I'm again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm so happy I was wrong in this situation. Yeah, me too. And I never say that. (laughs) I know. But in this case, it's a good surprise, a good way to be wrong. So yeah, so If you haven't listened to episode, well, not episode one, but like the previous episode over A Court of Thorns and Roses, press pause here, go read it, get our thoughts, catch up on the story, um, and then we're going to take it away from here. I can do a quick summary um, if you're ready to dive in. Sounds good. Let me uh, make sure I can pronounce her name without a Western accent this time (laughs) around. (laughs) Listen, just embrace it, okay? Uh, now every time when like after we recorded the first episode over this when I was read I reread the second book so I could you know kind of be fresh on it every time I would read it I would like slowly pronounce it and try to not be like Farah (laughs) oh my gosh that is so funny no I yeah it hers didn't bother me as much Recent, I say different in my head. Ricin, recent, recent, yeah. Yes, I think I call him Ricin. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Ricin, but I call yes. him Reese or Riss. Yes, that's what I do too. <laughs> and then I started listening to the third one. Oh yeah, how did they pronounce it? Um, it was weird. I don't like it. So I had the book from yeah. The this was the book that my dog or cat ate. I'm pretty sure it was the cat. But they also had it on the app for Audible, and I was, like, running out of time. So I started listening to it as well, which I actually really like to do. This is a total sidebar, but I love to do that. Like, I can read it at night, and then I can listen to it on the walk. But anyways, she – the narrator says resand, and I don't like that. Oh, that's not, resand. That's not what we're going for. Yeah. Resand. Like, no. Resand. It's going to be ricin or ricin. No, ricin. Ricin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. I don't know. No. If that's what Sarah J. Moss did, but, that's fine, but that's not what we're doing here. But so. that's how I shorten it. I shorten it to rice. And if it's rice sand, then it it just makes me think of Roxanne and I don't know why. <laughs> like, that doesn't bother me. But I say rice and then still shorten it to Reese, which yeah. or rice. It's Sometimes okay. it depends. It's we're from the Midwest. That's my excuse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that was so anyway, we went on of- <laughs> we went on yet another tangent on how to pronounce the names. Uh, it's we'll never 
situation. Yeah, we'll never get it right. But for those of you who have stayed with us this long, <laughs> this is A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Moss. Feyre has undergone more trials than one human woman can carry in her heart. Though she's now been granted the powers and lifespan of the High Fae, she is haunted by her time under the mountain and the terrible deeds she performed to save the lives of Tamlin and his people. As her marriage to Tamlin approaches, Feyre's hollowness and nightmares consume her. She finds herself split into two different people, one who upholds her bargain with Ryson, High Lord of the Feared Night Court, and one who lives out her life in the Spring Court with Tamlin. While Feyre navigates a dark web of politics, passion, and dazzling power, a greater evil looms. She might just be the key to stopping it, but only if she can harness her harrowing gifts, heal her fractured soul, and decide how she wishes to shape her future, and the future of a world in turmoil. That's a good summary. Thank you. It was uh, on the back of the book. And I didn't stumble. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, that was flawless this time. I was... I was reading like a first grader with my light, with my finger, like <laughs> following the line. <laughs> On each word, sound it out. As yes. Feyre and Ryson. <laughs> that is so funny. Yes. But it worked. <laughs> so hey, it got the job done. And after the last little episode, that's what we needed. So yes, exactly. A little bit of technical difficulties, but we're back and hopefully we will keep going so yeah you now have your summary you have our initial thoughts um again if you haven't listened to the first episode of the series go back and listen to that i think it was like episode 50 i want to say that sounds about right it was yeah it was not that long ago um so press pause here and then come back and listen to our thoughts of on (laughs) on a court of mist and fury so yes let's kick it off let's dive right in so this book kicks off just a few months after the end of a court of thorns and roses so Feyre is back in the spring court with tamlin and trying to adjust to life after the events of Under the Mountain, which obviously were very traumatic. Um, And coming to terms with what she had to do there to save the people that she loved. Yes. Or the one person that she loved. (laughs) Yes, which was horrifying. Um, Yeah. She and Tamlin are engaged to be married, which should be a really happy time. And that was like Mm -hmm. what she wanted but she is just feeling this overwhelming dread and anxiety about the whole thing because she has been suffering from nightmares that keep her awake overnight, like reliving some of the horrible things that she endured under the mountain. And just mentally, she is not in a good place. And And neither is Tamlin, really. But they're not talking about it. Well, and that's Tamlin, exactly what they need to do. They're trying to yes. like brush it under the rug and pretend everything's okay now that they're together. Yes. And Tamlin is going to the like opposite extreme where I think he was so like upset and worried about her and the things that happened under the mountain that he's like, I can't let her out of my sight. I have to protect her yeah. at all costs. But he's going full the- toxic masculinity. 
Yes. And on the flip side, that is like smothering Feyre and making her feel more yeah. anxious. And she just wants like a little room to breathe and to have some independence and feel more normal. And he's just like over sheltering her basically and like yeah. smothering her. It's so. just like wear these pretty dresses, take your paints and live this happy life. This is what we did this all for. But we're also going to pretend that none of that happened. Yes. And he's not, she's wanting to be kind of involved in what's going on because obviously the chain of Under the Mountain set off a lot of like political, I mean, that's the best word for it, I guess, like their political yeah. sphere and hierarchy. It set off a lot of chain of events. And so feeling like something bad is happening and coming, but Tamlin won't tell her anything. He won't ask her advice. He won't keep her in the loop because he's like basically says well you're not a high lord you're never going to be a high lady like you don't need to worry about this just go yeah relax and favorite is not that kind she wants to be involved she feels like she is just as capable of you know being in the room and helping make decisions and i mean yeah she look what got she them did out under of, the map yeah 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 she got them out of this mess <laughs> And now she's being told basically like you can't handle it. So she's yeah resentful over that. As she should be. I would be. Yes. And, and so she's kind of worried like about how that's going to transition once they're married. And is this all my life is going to be? Like a lot of the things that one could be normal, you know. I think anyone might get a little anxious about marriage, but this is like to the extreme of this feeling of yeah. dread and like not wanting to get married. Uh, yeah. This is more than just some cold feet. Yeah. And she's yeah. also anxious because she hasn't felt like the mating bond that everyone talks about that she thought she yeah. would feel with Tamlin. And she like, things have been different with them. Obviously they both endured a lot. So they're not yeah. feeling as connected as they were, you know, in the first book. Right. Which I feel every couple goes through at some point. But again, they're not talking about it, which is whole communication yes. thing. I will stand yes. here on this pedestal. But that's what really bothered me. But speaking of the political aspect of this, um, Hamlin has also allied himself with one of the high priestesses of there's 12 of them and he has allied himself with ianthe i am mm -hmm. i say ianthe, ianthe i think yeah that's yeah. what i do um and she is there uh she's one of the youngest priestesses but i feel like and she's kind of like the outcast of them they don't really agree with her ways she's maybe a bit more progressive um and she is helping plan the wedding but not in, like, like she has taken all the responsibility from Feyre, which Feyre has, like, willingly given to her. But she's also, like, I feel, I felt like she was planning it to, like, announce their alliance to the world, that she was there in the spring court with them, and that they're a team. And it was more of a power play than a, like, let me help you sort of situation. I picked up on a lot of, like, jealousy, yeah, I think I am like she was planning it as if it was her and Tamlin's wedding and like wishing yeah. it was her and Tamlin's wedding and 
trying to disguise yeah. it as oh i'm helping you but really it was it was bad vibes she gave yeah. me bad vibes bad... from the minute from the get-go from the minute i read her name i was like oh yeah. this girl is bad news even though she it would always be like oh i'll don't worry about it i'll do that i'll do this we'll discuss this or oh yeah. like whenever Tamlin would be talking about like the politics and everything in the world she'd be like oh why don't you go pick out the flowers while we talk about this you know like very like sweet to the face but like condescending at the same time yes and that's what she did try to ally herself and there were moments when she would like be a friend to Feyre and Feyre had said even like you know with Ianthe there, I felt more comfortable because I had someone to talk to and whatever. But there was always just something underlying that did not sit right. And yeah, it made you like not want to trust her. Yeah. But... So they're going over the wedding plans. Feyre is feeling smothered and like she doesn't want to go through with this, at least not right now. She's like, I want to get better. I want us to get better. And then I want this. I think this is too much too soon. And she's literally walking down the aisle. There's like 300 guests there. She's walking towards Hamlin and she just stops and she starts having a panic attack. Um, Essentially is how I read it. Like she can't move. She's like, I want to go to him. He looks amazing, but I can't go to him right now. And so she starts crying out inside her mind, screaming for help when my man appears Mm -hmm. and Bryson shows up and he's basically like, hey, I'm here to, you know, cash in on the deal we made under the mountain where you come to me for a week every month. I need this series to be a show specifically for this moment. Yes, this is my favorite. Of a a bride going down the aisle and the arch nemesis of the groom showing up and whisking her away. Like, yes. that is delicious drama. It was wonderful. It was amazing the first time. This is my favorite, arguably my favorite scene of the series. Yes. Um, and it was just as good the second time. I was, like, anticipating it. It was like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Because he's so and, smug about it. And, like, when I yes. read it the first time, I literally was, like, <gasps> like gasped because of how... I don't know. I just didn't expect that. Like, I, I felt like she wasn't going to go through the wedding, but I didn't think that was going to happen. And yeah. It was, so good. it was great. The man has impeccable timing. Yes. I have to I give it, it to him. <laughs> so he shows up on our wedding day and whisks her away to the night court for the week that she promised him every month. He hadn't done it yet because like a couple months have gone by since Under the Mountain and this is the first time that he's come to get her. So she makes it to the night court and it's not as like scary as she has expected because, you know, because of Tamlin and kind of the way she's viewed Ryson from the first book, it felt like it would be this like really scary and dark place but it's actually really beautiful it's like the beautiful signs of night not the darkness and the scary and so she has this beautiful room and she just finally gets to feel like she can take a deep breath and relax and what stood out to me as a (laughs) person is the bathtub she has in her bathroom Yes, I need it. I want it. (laughs) I would go to the night court just for that. 
because she has this like beautiful waterfall tub overlooking like I don't know his estate or whatever you want to call it but yeah I kind of pictured it as like an infinity pool yes tub. yeah that's what I mean like where it just kind yeah of, like, goes off the edge yeah and oh that just would be so good so she gets yeah to, like kind of relax and breathe a little bit there he doesn't put a lot of like rules on her like Tamlin wouldn't even let her leave the estate really hard. yeah and here she can kind of like breathe a little bit she can sleep eat do whatever she wants wander around she, she was like what are you like what are you gonna make me do here and he's like nothing like you're just yeah. here for a week which um, that sounds wonderful like yeah BH, after the crazy like if you're feeling so overwhelmed that's literally the best cure is just to go and do nothing like whatever yeah. you want you wake up and you do whatever you want for the day you don't have to be anywhere you don't have to do anything you're not told no you just get to go i would love that right now to be honest yes that's what i'm hoping my little <laughs> four-day trip is just to like yes unplug and get away from it all but yes sounds amazing but while she is there um as previously mentioned he found out under the mountain that she did not had not learned to read um so while she was there he did teach her like the alphabet teach her how to read and also worked on shielding her mind now that she's a high fae she has all these powers and like untapped potential um so he's trying to teach her to shield her mind to prevent enemies getting in there yes which i thought was so sweet that because i was like tamlin when tamlin found out she couldn't read or write he was like well i'll do it for you and then when ryson found that out he's like well i'll teach you which i love i love it that's that's the difference right there that's all you need to know about the two men that is the difference and this led for some really cute moments with um I don't know, like her getting frustrated and him being like, you can do it, you can do it. And them kind of like starting to send notes back and forth with each other. I don't know. It was just. Really yeah. Cute. He would like be flirting with her and she would insult him. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. definitely a cute little moment to build that friendship. Yes. Um, and then but- while she's at night court, she meets Ryson's cousin, Morgan or Moore. Or sometimes yeah. the Morgan. She has the Morgan. I know. The, yeah, she has several more. different names. Um, and this is a girl who she's just really like anxious to meet favorite and kind of become her friend. She's really welcoming and I think kind of yeah. like plucky, like spunky. She, she is very confident. Yeah. Um, and totally like a difference from Ianthe, I think, who oh, yeah. is a very was very like calculating and kind of cold, which more is very smart and very powerful, but um, she's just like an all around good person. She's yeah, kind of- she's more genuine. Yes, that's a good word for it. So while they're there, Rysand, who does not really like Ianthe, which we all get on that train in a little bit, right. but he <laughs> starts to tell Feyre that. Um, some of the things that Tamlin and Ianthe were keeping from her about yeah. like the politics and the war that's coming or supposedly coming. 
So this makes the Faber wall. worried. Yeah, worried about her family because her sisters yeah. and her um, I almost said her brother, her sisters and her dad are still like on the other side of the wall in human land. And there's rumors that King Hyburn is going to try to take down the wall and like take control back of the human lands. Yeah. And so she's obviously very concerned for her family. Um, and so she's like glad that Rysant is sharing all of this with her because Tamla never trusted her with that information yeah but um it's and he's also like yeah but he's also like i want you to find out like if the wall comes down and there is a war is tamlin going to fight with us with the night court because they're like sworn enemies or is he going to remain neutral or even worse fight with the king of hybern yeah so i think he's, he's trusting her of- with the well, I think Sorry. he's kind of worried, like, because of Ianthe, like, who Tamlin yeah. is going like, to align yeah. himself with. Yeah, so not as only is he, like, trusting her with this information, he's, like, giving her this task. Like, he's kind of, like, you're kind of acting as, like, the emissary for the night court. Or between he, our two courts. What I liked, if I remember right, because I like to misremember things, but he gave her the choice of like, yeah, will you kind of I don't like work with us and you know figure out some information and yes, be he doesn't force it on her like Tamlin would. Yeah, he gives her the choice and the agency to choose for herself, which I really appreciated. Oh yeah, and they he have the whole... like her own person. Yeah. Basic like, level stuff, but I love The bare that. minimum. Yeah. Right. And don't they have, like, he takes him to her to dinner with Moore and Cashin and Asriel and, like, lets them, like, shows her how they all interact together and kind of what they're all about before she decides. I think that's late. That's her second later. visit. Okay. Yeah. I think the first visit was just kind of, like, very quick. Here's an introduction. Here's what's going on let's teach you to read and then she went back to the spring court and tamlin and lucian immediately like start interrogating her not like are you okay how are you but like what was the night court about what did it look like who was there what were they talking about just immediately start interrogating her which i think says a lot about like what she means to them they don't trust her with this information but when she has the information they like immediately demand to know yeah. And they're more worried about like what she can provide to them right. for them versus what is actually like going on with her. Right. So, the bar her... oh. The bar is so low at this point. <laughs> yeah. And this makes her not feel great, obviously. Like Obviously, yeah. And sh- I think she kind of thought like maybe things would get better or like, Hey, I, you know, I did this little thing on my own and I'm okay, but really it kind of still just gets worse. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Feyre has started to notice and show signs that her powers are growing. And so Ryson believes, and he kind of like noticed this during her stay at the night court. He thinks that when they were under the mountain and she, had died and been brought back to life when all of the high lords like bonded together to save her that as they were doing that 
a little bit of each of the High Lord's power was deposited into Feyre. So now she has a little bit of each of their special powers. So like yeah, the glowing of the day court and um yeah, I can't think of the others, but there's like, <laughs> like well, no, like she can like shift, shape shift, like Tamlin, um, throw fire, throw do like ice. the shadows, like um, yeah. ricin. So she can do like a little bit of all of that, not very controlled, but it'll just come in flashes when she's like really emotional or really angry or heightened senses or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that ricened and later she want to try to like control but while she's in the spring court she like at this dinner scene with lucian and tamlin and she gets really angry about something like fire comes out of her hands and burns the tables and she's able to slip into lucian's mind and kind of read Mm -hmm. his mind and like see from his point of view and brain basically which is an even higher power that she can Slip through those mental shields. Um, so Feyre's, yeah. like, pretty powerful. More powerful yeah. than... She's pretty badass. Yeah. Because she's got, like, a little bit of power from each of them. And it's just the honing it. Um, honing in of it that can, yeah, make her better. Yeah. So... so- Then she goes back to the night court for another week. Um, She's like in the middle of a fight with Tamlin this time, I think, when uh, Reese decides to show up, make his appearance, and brings her back to the night court. And realizes like her mental health and her physical health have deteriorated (laughs) even more. Like she's lost weight. She has no emotion. She has no fight left in her because Tamlin doesn't believe in her and treats her like a child so she's still reading she's still working on her shielding um and this is when i think he starts to introduce her to more people in the night court or is that when she goes back like for good i think that's when she goes back for good okay well then she goes back again to the spring court (laughs) yeah because the bargain was that he would keep her for a week each month yeah so yeah Right now, they're just, like, keeping up that bare minimum bargain. And Tamlin, I mean, basically has to allow it because it's the bargain. Or the bargain that he, like, tattooed on her and in exchange for her life and whatever. He can't really stop it, even though he's not happy about it. Right. So she returns to the spring court. She and Tamlin are fighting more than ever. And at one point, he's, like, going to investigate um, something at the borders of their land and she is demanding to go with them and he refuses to the point where he uses like his power to lock her in the house and she can't you know like every time she opens the window or door she's she hits like a wall of air and so she's locked into the house that and gives me anxiety is- just listening to this like, yeah honestly, I, yeah she's like, like he locked me in here I can't believe he did this to me. And she spirals and has another panic attack. And that's when Morgan comes to her rescue. And she does it. She takes Feyre out of the house, takes her to the borders of like the summer court, and then goes to the night court from there because there's like this ancient law um, 
that a high lord can't come into like another court and take someone so they had to send more as kind of like as an ambassador take her take her to another court and then I don't know it was all like by the book so that uh, Feyre was safely in the night court and she would not face retribution from Tamlin and neither would Ryson. And this was a wonderful scene also. Yes. Because there's a lot going on, but like what I loved and the symbolism above it is like Moore's power is so great that she's like busting through the house, whatever. Yeah. Looking through all the shields, getting to her. And her Hamlin who? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh Favor's engagement ring literally like like melts or crumbles off of her finger. Yeah. And is left behind, and I just love that symbolism of yes, it's gone. That was a Goodbye. that was a beautiful moment. Yeah. yeah. So, so now, oh, she's back in the night court. Yes, and she decides to stay there for a while. Ryson's like, you can stay as long as you want. Like, if you want to go back, the minute you say you'll go back, we'll take you back. But you can stay yeah, here it's as up long to as you. you want. Um, and he shows her. Valaris, which is a city that they call the City of Starlight, and it's like the only city in the lands that has kind of existed in its own little bubble and able to carry on despite, you know, Amarantha's power and all of the conflicts and the wars and everything happening in Prithian because Amarantha did not know that it existed because Ryson and his night court people like shielded it really Mm -hmm. well and like wiped it kind of from other people's memories and minds and really like insulated it to try to protect it and keep it hidden. And it's like this beautiful city on the water. It's got a really big art community like musicians, restaurants. Which Feyre loves because she's artsy, but she, you know, kind of lost that side of her for a bit. But just a little side note, just like a little nerd moment. Whenever I read about Valaris, it may, and just saying it makes me think of Game of Thrones because there's Valerian and Viserys in Game of Thrones, which are names and like cultures. But it just, I was just like, is it, was she inspired? Like, was Valaris the name? inspired by Game of Thrones? Like, was she a George R.R. Martin fan first? I don't know. I just was like, hmm, that sounds a little familiar. And it's because it's similar to a lot of stuff in Game of Thrones. Huh. Maybe she's, like, paying homage or something. Yeah, like a little nod Yeah. to it. But, yeah. Cool. I just thought that was a little nerd moment. <laughs> I'm not a Game of Thrones person, so I can't mm-hmm. contribute but I do like that. I like a little <laughs> symbolism and a throwback. To, yeah, the fantasy like, shout out maybe. Yeah, for sure. Or maybe it was just like a total like subconscious thing where she she just came up with it and she was subconsciously inspired. I don't know. Maybe she's never read or watched Game of Thrones. You never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. It could be though. Yeah. So Valaris is just less like really lively and happy town and it's really inspiring to her because Ryson is kind of like this is what life used to be like and this is what I want life to be like again everywhere like 
Yeah. If we can ever get past all of this fighting and war and whatnot. So she likes spending time there and he gives her the freedom to go into town whenever she wants and that kind of stuff. Gives her a bunch of money to like buy whatever she wants in town. So Yeah. But she's acting, he's like, this isn't for free. Like, I, and I know you wouldn't want it to be free. So she's acting as emissary to the mortal land because she grew up there and she used to be mortal. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when he takes her up to the House of Wind. So they have a townhouse in Valaris, but then they also have the House of Wind, which is high up on the mountaintop overlooking the city. And this is where she first has like the big family dinner with more Cashin, Asriel, like his two like Asriel's the spy master, Cashin's like leader of his armies, mm-hmm. and Amran, who's this otherworldly creature um who came from, you know, a different time and a different place. So she learns all about the family and this is when he's like, you can meet them and then it can be your decision if you stay with us or if you leave. Yeah. And she ends up deciding to stay. Yeah. Like after she kind of gets to see this family and how they all are from like really sad and tragic backgrounds, but they've all kind of bonded together and they Mm -hmm. really have each other's backs more than anyone she's ever witnessed like they all completely trust each other they're all kind of make decisions together like there is the hierarchy within them a little bit but like Ryson kind of has the final say and things but yeah but he, he actually he listens to them <laughs> yes he listens to them he trusts their advice and they trust his final ruling and it just like functions really well together yeah and she's like they all went through terrible things and came out the other end okay so like I can do that as well. I think it gave her a bit of hope. Yes. So she decides to stay there and like kind of work with them. But Ryson needs to make sure that she's like up for the challenge and able to do it. And so he kind of gives her this little like test. Um, And he's also testing her powers at this point. Testing her as a person and her loyalty, but also testing her powers because I think he has, like, all these ideas of what they could be, and he wants to see if he's right. Yes. So the test is that he sends her to this cottage in the woods that belongs to the weaver, and he's like, she has an item that belongs to me, and you need to go get it back for me. But he doesn't tell her what it is, and he just says basically like you have to be careful because you have to do this without the weaver knowing that you're in there because she'll kill you. Yeah. This is very Harry Potter with the Horcruxes for me. Yes. And it was really interesting. Like I liked these scenes, but the weaver cottage gave me the ick so bad. It it was very creepy and I'll be interested to see how they adapt that. Yeah. It's the way I read it. Like the roof is made of like, human hair and human like hair yeah nasty ooh, like disgustingness and Every, the, yeah the oh, weaver that, I forgot is this, about that like, little detail um that's burned in my brain i will not forget yeah. it because i was like <laughs> oh my gosh i um, think my brain was like we're gonna forget that okay yeah okay um 
but she's like this ancient being, much like Amran, who came from a different time and place and was trapped in this world. And she's extremely powerful. I just like kind of picture it that there's these unique beings like Amran, the weaver, uh, we'll soon find out, the bone carver, that came from different worlds and were trapped there trapped here but like are each unique like there's not another being like them yeah and so the weaver's thing is that like she can't see but she can like smell and hear and so she has to sneak in and get whatever item calls out to her Bryson's like you'll know it because it will call out to you if you get the right thing and so she does this she barely is able to escape but the yes. item that calls to her that she picks out that she's drawn to is this like ring. Mm-hmm. And she's able to escape out past the weaver. It gets a little sketchy there for a minute, but um, she kind of does the task. And then Ryson's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh yeah. This is my mom's. Um, thanks for getting it back for me. <laughs> yeah. She was so mad about that. Yeah. But it was kind of funny. So yeah, but they have they discuss things more. They're discussing the state of the world right now, and what can be done to stop the King of Highburn. And Amron's like, I think you have to go talk to the Bone Carver. And the Bone Carver is much like the Weaver, Amron, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but he's imprisoned, and it's called the prison. Um, <laughs> and it's a, and a very unique. Yeah, she had been in and she like got out of, but it's very, I mean, like scary, like any prison, I guess, but extra. Yeah, (laughs) it's like in the side, it's under a mountain, under yet another mountain, um, housing all these incredibly dangerous, magical beings. And Feyre and Ryson have to go talk to the bone carver. Um, to see how they can stop the King of Highburn. So they go. The first time they go, Pharaoh is like, I can't do it. Like, this is terrifying. This is too much. I can't do it. Um, but then she takes a few days. She kind of gets her courage back. And they go and they meet the Carver. And the interesting thing about the Carvers, they appear differently depending on who is looking at them. So Ryson and Pharaoh both saw two different things and Feyre saw this this, like young boy with black hair and blue eyes yeah this gives me um like it was it the mirror of Arasad or whatever yes vibes where you look in and everyone sees something different yeah I feel like these are all like very common themes throughout fantasy I'm just picking like the ones that I know and yeah. that I'm very familiar with Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, it gave me Mirror of Arisen vibes for sure. And I think Bryson saw Jurian, which I think we pointed this out after we recorded the first episode, like of the first book. We didn't really talk about Jurian that much. No. And he is now coming into play. He's the main character vibe now. So we need to... Put her in reverse and talk a little about Jurian. Okay, so okay, so brief backstory on Jurian. We did him dirty. I'm so sorry, but here we are. We are now paying the price. So Jurian was involved in the first war. Um, he 
killed Amarantha's sister in the war, which is why she kind of went all crazy. Um, and that's when she killed him, but kept his eye in a ring yeah. or like something around her. No, it was a, it was a it ring. It was in a right? ring. And it basically, and, and like, then like his finger was like on a necklace. On her ne- yeah. Because it kept yeah. him like alive. Yeah. Basically she killed she- him, but she didn't. Yeah, so that she could, like, resurrect him whenever it was suitable for her and basically, like, trapped him to this life of living yeah. inside her room. Like, I would watch everything happening. In- yeah, it was, like, a, it was a Greek myth fate of, yes. like, for, like, payment for what you did in your life. It sounds awful. But yes. um, there's also, like, another little side story slash main story with Jurian. Um he used Amarantha's sister who was in love with him, but he also had another side piece named Miriam. And Miriam's story is she's half human, half Haife, who was given as an engagement gift um to a Haife prince named Dracon. And Dracon was engaged to an evil queen and whenever she gifted him a human being he realized you know kind of who he was engaged to broke off the engagement and helped her flee from those lands and that's when miriam met jurian and became his lover but then she realized dracon saved her how he's actually a very like good person had a good heart and fell in love with dracon after the war and after Jurian is defeated by Amarantha, Miriam and Dracon are both believed to be dead. But are they? Uh, we'll be see. We'll, we'll yeah. be see. Or are they? We'll see. <laughs> or are they? Um, and now we're in the present. So now you know who Jurian is. That was such a poor story and like <laughs> backstory on him. I'm so sorry. Um, but that all is to say Bryson saw Jurian whenever he looks at the brown carver. <laughs> yeah. And scene. Is, Thank you. No. <laughs> which is odd considering that Feyre sees like a little kid that she doesn't know, but we'll yeah. get into that later. My theory is the bone carver appears as somebody who's going to play an important role in their future. Yeah, that's fair. I agree yeah. with that. But they don't so, know it, obviously. No. Ryson thinks Jurian is dead and Feyre and doesn't know who this little boy guy. is. Yeah. yeah. So the Carver like makes the deal like they have to tell him that they've something that they've never told anybody else and then he will give them the information that they seek. Mm-hmm. Um, so after they spill their secrets that I forgot what they are um, the Carver <laughs> <laughs> the Carver confirms that Jurian is to be reborn using the eye and the little finger bone that Amarantha kept. And the King of Highburn is collecting something called the Magical Cauldron. Um, it's missing its feet. And he's also going to use something called the Book of Breathings, which tells um, the reader how to control the cauldron. So if which they is... can... Yeah. Well, the cauldron... Has been like hinted at throughout both of these books. Yeah, it's like, like what 
transform the world, essentially. Yeah, and they'll use it like the way that we would say, oh my gosh, or God save us. Oh, my cauldron. Yeah, cauldron help us, or whatever, which is very Oh, my cauldron. (laughs) (laughs) But kind of, like, that's kind of what they do. It's weird. It is. Yeah, it is kind of strange. Um, so now but they have here to... we are. We're also talking about high fate. Like, come on. <laughs> That's true. This whole thing is very strange and it's over my head. Like, I'm just here for the smut. Okay, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It's good. Yeah, I think it we've officially good. lost the plot here. I think we've officially <laughs> lost it. <laughs> I was trying to bring it back. So basically, we're going to bring it back. Circle back. They know that they have to try to stop the King of Highburn from putting the cauldron together and getting the yes. Book of Breathings all in one because that is yes. going to make him like mega powerful, blow the roof off of everybody. So, yeah. which I want to say something, but it would going to be sorry. short. <laughs> I said we need to try to condense the plot, and we have done a terrible job at it we have specifically me not done that so i we have not (laughs) there's like multiple scrolls left on this we have so many so many shout out to akatar fans for making this wiki that we are using for the summary because i was like i will not get the timeline correct if i am supposed to like remember this from pure memory um that this isn't even like super super detailed there's no just so oh my gosh much. there's so much left yeah and this book is like 500 plus pages yeah ish or like right around 500 so it's a it's a thick book and there's yeah. a lot that happens there's a lot there's a lot left buckle up everybody press pause go get a cup of coffee or something because we're gonna be here a while oh <laughs> so they realize that the book of breathings is ripped into two the mortal queens have one half and the high lord of summer has the other and they need to combine it to control the cauldron. So they start with the mortal lands. They go to Feyre's old home to her sisters to kind of set up a headquarters and enlist their help in contacting the mortal queens about their half of the book. Yes. And one of the sisters, Elaine kind of like warms up to them a little bit she's just happy to see her sister and nesta who was kind of a bitch in the first one has continued this trend it just makes me think yeah it makes me think of nessa from wicked and i just immediately start singing that song nessa Nessa. i have something to confess yeah but i do anyway this is this is why this is taking so long. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So they decide to write letters and try to invite the mortal queens to the lands and try to basically like plead to them to join their side and give up their piece of the book. Like yeah. we're doing this for the good of the mortal people and Prithian altogether. Um, yeah. And Azriel is trying to use his little spy network to get in with them. Yes. And so Feyre now has decided that, like, it's time to learn how to fight and try to hone her magic. So she starts um, training with Azriel and really working on controlling her powers because it just kind of comes and goes really whenever she gets, like, stressed or freaking out. But she's like, if we're about to go to war, 
I need to get this under control. So within this, they are invited to the summer court because Ryson is trying to like contact all of the high lords and kind of tell them what's going on and try to ally himself with them because he thinks if all of the courts can band together, they have a better chance of defeating Highburn versus if they're all fractured, which obviously this is kind of hard because things are tense with each different court. Like some of them get along, some of them do not for lots of different reasons. So he's just trying to like reach out in ways that he can. So they are invited to the summer court and that is where supposedly half of the book of breathings is. So she's trying like, Favor's job is to use her powers to try to hunt that down and basically, like, steal it from them. Yeah, um, which is where her little adventure with the weaver comes into play. That was the test to see if she could be drawn to something of Tarquin's, who's the High Lord of the Summer Court, in the mm-hmm. same way that she could be drawn to something of Ryson's. Because yeah. she has a piece of Tarquin and in her. That's weird to say, but yeah. Yeah. She and Amron are able to do it. Um, They have to devise this whole plan with like making sure the guards are away because they first have to figure out where it is and all of that. But they are able to get their half of the book. And so when they get back to the night court, they realize that the book is in some old, old ancient language that... Amarin is the only one who has even seen this book, like this kind of language, but she doesn't know how to read it, but she's like, I think I can figure it out. So she kind of sets the task of trying to decode this book. And she also thinks that this might help like be the key to free herself, Amarin from her curse and like get back home to her other world, whatever. Cause she's like, a whole other being than the rest of them right um in the meantime they hear back from the mortal queens and so they go to Feyre's home to meet with them and at first they like refuse to allow them to see the book and so more kind of like as a last straw um or last ditch effort shares what Highburn's plans are and what would happen if he breaks down the wall and invades the mortal land. So mm-hmm. they have it with them, but they're not going to show them, but they're like, our condition to give you our half of the book is that we need to see proof that Ryson is not the monster that he's rumored to be mm-hmm. because he has like this reputation to be this baddie and this terrible person, which we know is not true, but they need to see proof. So Ryson decides that in order to do that, he needs to show them Valaris because nobody knows about Valaris. Like we said, he kept it hidden all those years from Amarantha and the rest of the world. But he's not going to show them by bringing them there. He's going to show them using Veritas, which is this orb that only tells the truth is truth magic. Um, but they need like to get it. Like a crystal ball. Yeah. Vision, like. Exactly. Yeah, or the exactly. what's the uh, the pool that you can dunk yourself? Oh, in the pensive, yeah, from Harry yeah, Potter, yeah. like the memory. We're just gonna turn yeah. this into a Harry Potter analogy podcast, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. 
we can give us any we moment we'll relate it back to Harry Potter. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but they need to steal that from the Court of Nightmares, which is like kind of the the night court that is projected to the world. That is truly the bad place, the evil place. Um, yes. That is ruled by Moore's father. Yes. And they have a really bad relationship because um, her father was trying to like arrange marriage for her and yes. like lock her up essentially, basically. And Moore knew that a way to prevent that would be to sleep with someone else and quote unquote mm-hmm. ruin herself, which mm-hmm. I hate that, but she yes. does. And then her father like freaks out and beats her and like disowns her basically really bad. So yeah. tensions are very high with more and her family, but now she's having to come back to the court of nightmares and like face her father and do this task. Yeah. And we should also say that this whole time, like tensions between mm-hmm. Bryson and Feyre are like simmering. Oh they yeah, have a connection. You can feel it. They're like flirty and really snarky, but nothing has super happened yet mm-hmm. or anything. And this is where <laughs> Sydney was starting to lose patience during this. <laughs> yeah, because you texted me about this. You're like, where's the spice? Where is it? Where's the smut? My friend Sarah had all said, like, the spice gets turned up in book two. I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. Some girl on Instagram that I follow listed this book as her, like, in her top three most smutty reads that she read for 2022. So I'm like, okay, let's go. We are 400 plus pages into this book (laughs) and not a single (laughs) thing. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, where, who, who said that this was spicy? But this is the time. This is yeah. the moment. This is the moment where it begins. So they kind of fall back into the routine of what Ryson did under the mountain with Feyre, with like dressing her in this scanty dress and parading her around as like his. I don't know, harlot, I guess, is the word. Which yeah. Is, you're like, whore, whatever. But, and he tells her about it, like, you're going to have to play into this part, so just go along with it. And she does, but now she's more on the, like, open and receiving end of it, and she's, it wasn't before, like before, when she was, you know, upset about it all and still with Tamlin. So... They put on this whole show for the Court of Nightmares and um, kind of trick. They're distracting, basically, Morgan and all of his people at this party so that, um, or Morgan's father, they're distracting him so that they can, the others can sneak up and find this orb and bring it back. And so it works. And they're able to... um, well, they get the orb. But sorry, I they got do it. get the orb. <laughs> I get the orb, but then I got distracted. I was trying to read, and then um, the whole attack thing that I got sidetracked by. Oh yeah, I thought that they. Um, I forgot about this happening. 
Okay, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they get in the orb. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know what else but, to say. It's like they get spicy and they've kind of like yeah kind of become a couple, but also like not officially. But officially yet. This is where she's like, oh well, maybe it can be a fling. <laughs> yeah. Which and you're like, oh god, here we go again. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so, so break like when they're leaving the court of nightmares, they start getting attacked um by some ash arrows and they have to like make a pit stop in this Illyrian war camp um and they kind of train Feyre here and this is where Feyre learns some background about Rysand and that Tamlin's family was actually the one that killed Rysand's mother and sister and then Mm -hmm. in turn Rysand's dad killed Tamlin's whole family so right. now she's Which we knew thinking, before that that happened, but she didn't know Tamlin, Tamlin's like family's bad deeds too, which typical yeah. of him to hide that from her. Yeah. So now she's kind of starting to like flip the narrative and learn the truth. Yeah. Uh, so they discovered that, like you said, like they were attacked by ash arrows, but they discovered that it's every time Rysand uses his powers that somehow they're able to track him. So he has to stop doing that. But Feyre continues to train. Um, but one day while they're training, Lucian and some others from the Spring Court find them. Um, Feyre's off on her own at this moment, but um, he finds her and tries to convince her to come back with them and back to Tamlin. Which luckily she refuses, um, as any you know, intelligent woman would. And Ryson sends them away um, and they decide to like they need to stay over in like this little icky inn <laughs> yeah. um for one night and more spice ensues yeah um, i mean it's the whole like and once it, room. oh yeah the sexual tension of oh we have to share a twin bed oh my goodness <laughs> oh you have to take your clothes off because they're wet oh no yeah, yeah like stuff like that <laughs> Yeah. The classic, the classic scenes. But like once the smut got going, it you know just kept coming. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> did you just do finger guns? Because that's exactly what I just pictured. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> oh man. Um, but the next morning, um, they just they are flying back. Um, but at some point, Bryson had used his powers, and they get attacked. So he's poisoned with several ash arrows. They fall down um, out of the sky and they're separated. So Feyre starts to track him um, using her little tracking powers and she kills all of his captors but needs to figure out how to cure him from the poison of the ash arrows. So who does she call? The cereal. Yeah. Who makes it sound so easy to capture this being. Yeah. She's like, oh, hey, Cereal. And he comes running. Um, and then, and so she asks how to help Rysand. Yeah. And he tells her that the cure is to let Rysand drink her blood because it will have healing powers from, yeah. um, like, the High Lord of the Dawn Court. And then he it got also- a little twilighty for me at this moment, but so, it's okay. <laughs> I was also going to draw the – I was thinking about this as I was driving home, getting ready to do this. The Twilight comparisons are many to me in this book. Yeah. 
Which I know but not also lie. like every fantasy novel is like has some component like this I feel like yeah but not even this I was thinking about like how which kind of near the end of Twilight and some of those books it's like a whole mismatched band of people have to like band together and save mm-hmm. the town. and I feel like that's how this gets but in a way better way because Twilight is trash but yeah but uh, like a ton of fantasy novels follow that yeah the I mean it's band topic. together I yeah. refuse I yeah I refuse to acknowledge Twilight that much even though I did draw the comparison this time <laughs> I know I mean it just on me this, but this is better so the serial also lets it slip that Rysand is Faber's mate and mm-hmm. that he he Rysand has known this for a long time so now she's mad because this whole time, like before, she was wondering why she never felt the mating bond with Tamlin. Mm-hmm. And it's because she has already been mated to Ricent. So this is the other. Okay, back, circle back. This is like the imprinting thing from. Oh, Tyler, yeah. Where they like imprint on other people just seemingly randomly. Anyways, yeah. it happens. It's a fantasy thing. It's fine. Whatever. It is a fantasy thing. But Feyre is very mad about this because she feels like she's been lied to. And that's the one thing that, like, Rysand hadn't done to this point. Like, he trusted her with a lot of things. Um, And so she kind of takes – she's really mad. And she's like, I need to be out of here for a few days. So more – or someone kind of takes her to this secluded cabin where, like, they'll know that she'll be safe. She's still kind of in the night court realm but she's away from all of them. And so she takes this time to process everything and she like starts painting again and kind of just processing the whole thing and really deciding, you know, how yeah. she wants this. And yeah. Yeah. She makes the right call and yes. Bryson comes like to the cabin basically to hear her out and like, see what she thinks. And yeah. How's there like, this? sappy little story about how he'd been dreaming of about her for years before they'd ever met and he went against Amarantha's wishes to meet her on fire night and all that like okay girl just give in just love him he kind of tells the whole like things from his point of view that from the first book you were hidden and you were only seen from like Cameron's point of view but you can kind of yeah differently now and like why things happened under the mountain and whatever and so she obviously is taken by this and so they i don't know the phrase complete the mating bond (laughs) i know i was gonna point that out they bang okay they 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 give it yeah this is where it happens and so she's this is where the smut comes out full force yes and so they've kind of agreed and like, you know, determined that they're mated and they're a, a pair and they're bonded. Whatever. Yeah. So they hear back from the mortal queens now. They go back to Pharaoh's old home in the human land and they take the orb and they show them Valeris through the orb. Um, but the queens still refuse to give them the other part of the book. And so that's really yeah. disheartening. But Which as is, they- It made me so mad. Yeah. 
yeah, I didn't like it. But as they leave, um, one of them kind of like stands up real funny and kind of basically like drops a little package out of her big skirt. And she had snuck their half of the book away and decided to leave it for them. Um, yes. I'm so now they have both parts of the book together. Amron is trying to decode the book. Um, Cashin kind of vows that he will help protect Favor's sister because they're worried about things with the mortal queens and everything getting bad. Um, mm-hmm. But then... And then one day... Yes. Um, a hibern army. It's just a normal day in Polaris and a hibern army flies in and starts wreaking havoc and killing the inhabitants because the mortal queens had betrayed them to hibern. I hated um, so, that. I yeah. thought, I oh, thought it's terrible. Queens. I thought it was going to be better, but it no. Was- Turns out that they had been allied with Hybern, and I think they probably like made a pact. Like you can have the mortal lands on Prithian as long as you leave us alone, because they're on a separate piece of land, essentially. Yeah, um, they're separated out, by like, nation. The one queen that left the book, she was one that like broke away from the rest of that, but they yeah because but they killed her yeah because of that because she they viewed it like she betrayed them um they're able to hold off the forces and put the protective wards back into place but not before like a lot of damage had been done to valaris so their little secret haven um is no longer the safe place so they're like, we, there's no more delaying this. We have to decode the book and nullify the cauldron's powers. So Amran successfully decodes the book, you know, instructs Feyre what she needs to say. She has to say this spell um, in the presence of the cauldron and then can basically tell it to destroy itself. Yeah. But when they finally get there, it's more Cash and Azriel. Ryson and Feyre. I think Amran sits this one out. Um, she goes there and she, like, the books, like, kind of have uh, the books, the two halves of the book, when they're combined, um, have this really strong power. So they were telling her, don't, don't put the two pieces together to say the spell you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But Feyre decides to put the two pieces of the book together. See, this made me mad, but then I also didn't know if, like, I took it as her, I was like, why are you doing this? But then I also wondered if the magic of, like, being that close to the cauldron and the book, if it, like, infiltrated her mind a little bit. Because I'm like, yeah, I think you so. This? You just had one job and she freaking ruins it. Yeah. Feyre, come on, man. You were yeah, getting so she, good this whole book. I know. She did that a lot in book one. So maybe it is just yeah. part of the course. But yeah, because of her like hesitation, the rest of the group is like, say the spell, touch the cauldron, come on, don't, you know, but she doesn't. And she puts the book together. And then right then King Hyburn, well, and Jurian show up because the plot twist is that Jurian has been remade and the king catches them and like thwarts their plan. And so he uses his magic to bind the rest of the group from using their own magic and he's like threatening Asriel 
And so this was a really tense scene. Like, again, I yeah. kind of gasp out loud when we turn around and, like, Jurian is there. But yeah, it turns out that Tamlin has mm-hmm. sold them out to Hybern. Yeah. And he and Lucian are there along with the mortal queens and working Which on Which I side. will give Lucian, like, Lucian is 100% Tamlin's enabler. And I hated yeah. him for it. But you could tell yeah. the entire time. He thought it was wrong. He felt it was wrong. and But he didn't feel that he could approach Tamlin. Which he's weak for doing that. But yeah, he knew his morals were in the correct place. He just unfortunately didn't act on them. Yes. And so there's this big like standoff scene. Reminding me a little bit of the end of the first book. But still really good. And yeah. it turns out Feyre's sisters have been captured. And they are being used as proof to show the queens that the cauldron will work because if they dunk the sisters in the cauldron, it will make them immortal without killing them. Yeah. And, and that's so this is where the queens. Yeah. Like everyone was so upset about this, which I kind of get it. But then I'm also like, okay, but they're not dead. They're just being right. Like, it's not. But yeah, there's such a hatred work. between the two kinds. Yeah. Yeah, but I literally thought they were going to, like, make favor kill them or something. Or yeah. Or, or whatever, but they just no. dunk them in the cauldron, which it is a big deal and thing, but, I mean, whatever. Yeah. So both of the sisters are turned into high fae, and it turns out that Ianthe was the one who, like, set that up because that was not part of Tamlin or Lucian's plan. Yeah. And See, we knew not to trust her. Yeah, she's bad news. Bad news bear. So the sisters are turned, and it's really devastating for them and for Feyre. But um, Nesta comes out, like, in a different sort of power than what Elaine did. And she basically, like, points at the king and is like, I am going to get you back for this. And they can just tell that something is off with her, but they're not sure. Um, Yeah. And so... Feyre... Oh, sorry. Oh, well, I was going to say, like, as this is happening, when Elaine comes out of the cauldron, there's this moment with him, with Elaine and Lucian, where Lucian basically, like, bonds with her and mates with her. Yeah. And so that adds a whole other layer to it, because yeah, now cause... Lucian is mated to Elaine, and that is, like, the bond that transcends all bonds even though he's supposed to be on the opposite side and elaine is engaged or she was engaged to a mortal boy whose family hates the fae so now we're like introducing a whole other layer here but when while all this is happening feyre is like trying to think of a way out of this she can't really use like the full potential of her magic she can't figure out how to get out so she does what she can the only thing she can think of to get her friends out of there and she acts like this bond was broken in her mind whenever Mm -hmm. the king of highburn like found all their magic and acts like ryson had been controlling her mind the entire time and is like oh my god like tamlin is that you like did you come to save me and really gets him going. Lucian doesn't believe her for a minute um, because yeah. he saw her in the woods when he came to get her back. Um, 
but she makes Tamlin believe that she wishes to go home with them and she's like begging the king of Highburn to break the bond that she has with Ryson um, because they had made the bond under the mountain but then also the mating bond so she's mm-hmm. making him believe that she wants the mating bond broken and that only he's powerful enough she wants to go back with Tamlin Ryson had been controlling her this whole time so uh, the king she deserves an Oscar she does this, she I, sold it she sold it I read it the first time I was like oh my god like this is terrible even the second time I like forgot what truly happens and I was like oh my god this is heartbreaking because Ryson's like no don't do it but you can tell He's not playing, like, he is, but he's not playing a part. Like, he's like, don't break this bond. Like, I'm begging yeah. you. Um, the, but the high you had me going for a little bit of, like, yes. is this really happening? Yeah, it had me going the second time, and I had read it. <laughs> yeah. But um, the King of Highburn breaks the bond, and, you know, she leaves with Tamlin. But what they don't yes. know is that the bond he broke is the bond they made under the mountain where she has to visit him once a month, but their mating bond remains. So her friends yes. were able to escape with the book and they took Feyre's sisters with them and they're preparing for war. Yes. And Feyre and the, goes back to the spring court. And the bond stayed in place because secretly she and Rysand had run off like the night before all of this transpired and gotten married and like sealed their bond in whatever like legal magic way. And not only that, but he, Ryson made her high lady of the night court. So she is just as powerful as him and like has that rank and standing. And so she's the first high lady I think ever. Yes. Because that was always like, it can't be done, it can't be done. But it could be done. You just had to want to do it. Exactly. So that is kind of where it ends with her back in the spring court with Tamlin and Ryson and her sisters and everyone else back in the night court. And so you're kind of like, What an ending. It was really good. What a cliffhanger. There's a snake in the garden. I love it. So now she's like acting as the mole and feeding things or planning to like collect information and feed it back to Bryson. Yeah. And bring down the spring court from within. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love a redemption arc. (laughs) Yes. And a sneaky like savage. Yes. I love it. So that's where it ends. That's where our little high fae friends are at this point. We will eventually, of course, do a court of wings and ruin because how yes. can we just do two? Um, yes. But yeah, I think we did good on time. Like for how long this book is and how detailed it is, That's I think true. we did good. We've definitely gone come longer in. on shorter books. Oh yeah, because we I think we've started to really uh, master the art of condensing details. <laughs> yes, we want to leave. And- stuff to be discovered if you decide to read these books we give you a good overview if you don't if it's not your thing and you just want to listen thank you um but also there's so much to discover (laughs) yes and we 
I mean, once all the edits, it'll be totally, totally It'll be fine. doable. Yeah, Yeah, it'll be you guys fine. don't know the half of it. <laughs> <laughs> I this have has my been work an adventure, cut out for me. but we've <laughs> made it. Um, yes, we hope you enjoyed so, our recap of, yeah, thank you all for listening. yes, hopefully. Join us next time for not a court of Wings and Ruin yet. Coming soon, we promise. I have to reread Yes. it personally to like refresh all the details. Um, but we will be on a little bit of a break so that we can travel Yeah. um, and do some things. But we'll be back at the end of March with a book that I already forgot. Nope, I remembered it. Um, with <laughs> with yet another repeat author and a little teaser hint here, one that we both. unexpectedly absolutely loved last year we are reading another book by them which I am Yes. once again loving so Yes. It's different, but again, it's very I did not, different I literally had no idea what it was about. yeah But you were the things you suggested I like, it and I requested it from the library the same day I was like yep sounds good done yeah, the things I liked about the first book are still woven through. So I'm excited to talk yes about that for our final very month. different That would be a story good, very yes, similar theme yes. So thank you all for listening. We hope that you have enjoyed following along and you can follow us on Instagram at life and lit pod. That's where we post a lot of book content, the books that we're going to be covering. Um, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform that you're listening on. And please leave us a review because that really helps us get the word out there and share some of our content with your friends. And we will be back at the end of March for another fun book pick. So until next time, happy reading. Happy reading and happy International Women's Month. I don't know how we've glossed Yes. over that, but Well, um, International Women's Day is March 8th, which is my yes. birthday. So I don't How know how can we we glossed forget? over that. Yeah, I know. we can't forget. Yeah. That's always... Like, I always forget that that is my birthday until it pops up. And then I see a bunch of posts for that, too. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's a good day. yes. Double the celebration. So, Yeah, so. yes, we will see you. back at the end of March. And until then, happy reading. Happy reading.